Yeah, we know that something very big happened here in Seattle today and uh, surrounding the potential of having a hockey team. But before we get to that, we had some potentially even bigger news from the hockey world uh, that very much impacts the chances of our own John Barr's favorite team, the San Jose Sharks, uh, at winning the Stanley Cup. Just last week, we were saying that they are definitely the favorites to win the Cup. But now the news comes out. Jumbo Joe Thornton has shaved his beard. John, what are your thoughts? It's really an end of an era. It is. It's an end of an era. I don't know what. I don't, I don't even know if I can recognize Joe Thornton anymore. He is borderline unrecognizable. Yeah. I don't know if you saw the tweets yep. of him practicing today. He is fresh-faced and uh, bushy-tailed. Is that the? No, fresh. He, uh, that's he's too old the, to be bushy-tailed. Okay, he's not bushy-tailed anymore, <laughs> but he's also not bushy-bearded anymore because no. that thing is gone. I mean, I, I wonder now, does this make him play like a young player? Does it increase the speed at which he can skate? Because as we mentioned before, there's probably some some drag created from a beard like that. Also, I mean, that thing was, I was anti Joe Thornton beard, I think. That weird gray streak down the down the chin kind of made it look like he had been drinking paint and like dribbled on himself. <laughs> so it I was for too one, long. Yeah, it was, it was long. It was scraggly. I'm for, I personally am very happy to see it go. But uh, I, I have to wonder if this negatively or positively impacts the team's chances now. We'll have to see his uh, advanced stats on points with the beard and, <laughs> and points without the beard. See what like, his, a, like a his, PPB, like a points per beard. Shot like chances. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So. Instead of course, he could be Beardo or something. Beard. Be- yep. Yeah. <laughs> Beardo. Beardo. I don't think that's a good stat name for a good course, stat. But, I, feel uh, like I, can, I feel like I can say that since I am, I have a beard myself. Not about, quite that epic. But. Well, like. Corsi and Fenwick are named after people, so it could be Thordo or <laughs> Jumbo. Thor- Jumbo. Jumbo. Yeah, I like the it. Jumbo staff. The Jumbo staff. Yeah. yeah. Okay. All right. Like so let it. me ask you this, John. And before you answer, please do note that both Andy and I sport rather modest uh, face blankets. Are you pro beard <laughs> or anti beard? For myself, I'm. I can't handle facial hair. What about honest? for your San Jose Sharks? I think it's a free country. You can do whatever you want. Oh, <laughs> oh wow! Oh. Patriotic. Sound of Hockey, episode four. This is going to be a momentous episode because there is some momentous news that came from New York City today as the executive committee for the Board of Governors voted unanimously to go ahead and recommend the expansion of NHL hockey to the city of Seattle. John Barr, how over the moon are you at this hour? I'm literally numb. Uh, it's been unreal, even though this thing has felt like it's been on a pretty good glide path for a while. We all felt pretty confident. But until you see, you know, Gary Bettman talk so positively about the NHL expansion bid for Seattle, you know, I'm just constantly like nervous. And I'm still a little nervous, but I'm somewhat ready to party, actually. Yeah. <laughs> Let's do it. Andy, I'd, your yeah, thoughts. It's, it's, it's a little bit surreal. It's been kind of an exhausting day, even though I didn't do much more than just refresh like Chris Daniels' Twitter feed all day <laughs> yeah. long and just my Twitter feed, just watching Twitter and seeing what's happening and, and watching, you know, I, we were talking about watching Facebook Live when the mayor came out of the meeting. Great questions in the room, but clearly an enthusiasm for the city of Seattle. Um, the ownership team, uh, Mr. Bonnerman made a terrific presentation. 
I think that we're ready for hockey in Seattle, and we should know soon whether hockey's coming. You know, like John said, we kind of had an idea this was going to go well. I mean, the NHL group was was confident, but you just never know. Uh, it doesn't help that the Bet- Betmen and Daly have always been so non-committal that you do, they kind of leave you hanging there a little bit, like wondering what really they they're thinking. But to hear, and then even when they when Todd Lewicki and those guys came out, they weren't overly ecstatic. They were very subdued, which threw me a little bit. <laughs> you know, part of me thought, oh, is there something going on that we should know about? Um, but when you heard Gary Bettman come out, or even when we started leaking earlier, with like the owner of the Canucks came out to get a donut and said, I think it's going to happen. And you started seeing those kind of things, tweeting other owners were coming out for breaks and telling Chris Daniels or Jeff Baker that it was looking good. The, the momentum started building up and the excitement kind of started growing. And then when Bettman finally came out and said, yeah, we've, we've approved it, it was, it was, it was a surreal feeling. Like I just never – there were times where I never thought we'd be here and yeah. here we are. What's awesome is is the interactions I had with the community today, oh, yeah. right? Like some of these people I've been inter- interacting with for four or five years, maybe even longer. And just to like see them ecstatic, I'm ecstatic, and it's like an amazing moment to share, right, how long we've – kind of been at this together. And and I know it sounds cliche, but like the community is such a big part of this thing. It's given me energy to kind of continue down this path and, and believe in it. And it, and I've seen the community grow every single year. So it's, it's amazing to see, have our moment. To me, it was about kind of the fans and the community here and the 32,000 season ticket deposits. I mean, it's incredible, right? Like I think I might have first met Andy at the Angry Beaver when we did this kind of hockey summit four or five years ago now. And we packed a bar in the summer to talk about bringing the NHL to Seattle. That, and and it, that was like a tipping point too because I was like, oh, this is the middle of summer, packing a bar, kind of grassroots, trying to get the word out. Anyway, and it comes full circle today with a moment like today and just seeing the people interact. It's incredible and you know, I'm so ecstatic right now. I, it's I want to hug every hockey fan in Seattle right now. <laughs> hockey hugs. Hashtag hockey, hockey hugs, hugs. All around hockey hugs. Be careful who you hug in Seattle, though. Things get weird sometimes. <laughs> all right. So now that this news has come out, and I guess we're as close to being official without being official at this point, right? But what happens next now? I, I know there's one more vote coming down the pike, but uh, what do we have to look forward to now in the coming months, John? So what happens next is is now that the executive committee uh, formally recommended approval of the application, it'll go in front of the full Board of Governors um, in December for what appears to be more of a formality. When you get a unanimous recommendation from the executive committee, things go pretty smoothly in the the full Board of Governors. And we've already seen some of those other Board of Governors um, representatives say very positive things about Seattle. And so basically, December, it's kind of the rubber stamp. One thing that that we haven't really talked about too much is is what does this mean for the construction of the building? There was a dependency on getting awarded a franchise before you know basically putting putting a shovel in the ground. I think they probably got what they need for the city to approve them putting a shovel in the ground. And it's clear that they want to shoot for the 2020 season. And even Bettman came out with a quote that said, the target is 2020. We all want 2020. We know it's an aggressive timeline. He didn't really say that, but he said there are some some challenges and some milestones that, to hit to make sure that they hit that 2020. So the sooner they get a shovel in the ground, the better. And, and it's better for the city. It's better for the league and certainly better for OVG and the NHL Seattle group. He's also still hedging a little bit on that 2020 yes, year, isn't always. he, because of the potential labor <laughs> situation with the NHL you know, and the he, NHLPA. He, he did downplay the labor component and talked about the construction timeline being a little bit more aggressive. And, you know, who, who knows what really his intent is, but I tend to think, you know, everything I'm reading about the labor 
negotiations or at least the labor talk. Both sides are relatively happy. I've been fooled before, but yeah. <laughs> but um, but there's not huge big issues separating the players and the owners right now. So kind of bringing it back to Seattle, it's it's I think that that kind of construction timeline is a little aggressive, and we I think and I've acknowledged this on the show m- multiple times that it is aggressive, and it's something that we'll be able to monitor the next you know every six months, kind of checking in on that timeline seeing if there's any delays or what whatnot. But we should we should know. I mean, I think we're going to know within a year if we go 2020. The crazy thing about it, right, and maybe this still hasn't even really dawned on me yet, but this feels like we are now crossing this threshold where even though it's not 100% official yet, it feels like it's becoming safe to start talking about things in a real sense in terms of like, ooh, what happens in expansion? What happens with the team? Now it's, it's not so crazy to put the cart before the horse, so to speak with like a team name and a branding and all those kinds of things. Now we can finally start actually discussing those things because there is something real and palpable that's coming our way. On that topic, I do want to shift the talk just a little bit to to those kinds of uh, discussions. So how does the legal line now? I saw Pierre Lebrun was uh, putting out in The Athletic today that he thinks basically what will happen is uh, Arizona will move to the central to give the NHL four even divisions two even conferences, which is something that they've been dying to have for years and years, and they're finally getting that. But I don't know if that even really makes sense. If it's if it's me, and maybe you guys have different thoughts on this, but why wouldn't you put Colorado to the... No, that doesn't make sense. Either way, you have the time zone situation. So whoever moves into the central, then it creates an issue where they're two hours behind in their regular in their regular well, home well, Arizona's time Arizona has this weird time zone thing, yeah, right? Where they don't, they don't recognize daylight savings. Okay. So maybe they'll just adjust the time zones so that it's not an issue for Arizona. That was a joke. We're not going to actually adjust the time zones. <laughs> the other thing, <laughs> the other whispers out there have been Arizona, potentially in Houston. I don't know how, if there's any legs to that, but. Yeah. LeBron, LeBron said something similar. That moving Arizona to the central. If that were to could, happen, it would make that an easy slide. Yeah. So I took that as move them to the central as in leave them in Arizona, but yes. put them yeah, in the central, they, they, not they, physically move them but, to the central. However, if if they ever was a day where they were going to relocate to Houston, you, then you're already set up and you don't have to do a bunch of other juggling. So I don't yeah. know. Well, how, know, many, how many legs that Houston things has, but hmm. yeah, I'm it's not, been out there swirling in the. It has, but I mean, there's been a lot of other relocation yeah. rumors oh, for yeah. over ten years. So. Somewhere yeah. in a basement in Houston, there's a guy who has a blog, Houston NHL to Houston. Yeah, <laughs> there is a Twitter. <laughs> what a what a lunatic, huh? Yeah, yeah. Who, who in the right mind would yeah. do such a thing? <laughs> yeah, eight One years thing from I now, you'll be you'll be happy. One thing I didn't mention, we are coming to you live. Uh, well, not really live. Again, I always say that, but we're not really live. Recorded live. Yes. From Bar Down Studios in Seattle, uh, a.k.a. John's Basement. We should probably <laughs> make that clear. Uh, and before we go any further, I do just want to take a really quick break here. I want to mention that uh, I know we've been hounding you guys to leave us reviews. And you've come in really strong. So I I appreciate it. I know the other guys here appreciate it. It definitely helps us grow. So keep them coming. Uh, we just wanted to read a couple of those for you here. Okay, so first we had one from somebody named Ulton, O-U-L-T-O-N, Ulton. Thanks for writing in. He says, he or she, I should say, says, good info, fun show. Andy I, Darren Brown, and John Barr are full of good information about at NHL to Seattle and hockey in general. I have added it to my weekly rotation. So thank you so much for listening. We had another one very profound from Brandon on and on and on. 
the title is gritty and the subject is or the uh, body of the message also just says gritty. So gritty, gritty endures. Yes, good good information there. <laughs> we are the official constant. podcast of Gritty as mentioned last week. <laughs> <laughs> we also had one uh, this one's a little bit questionable here. He says these guys will read any five-star review. My three stars of this show are the Zamboni driver and Usher and the guy selling popcorn. Now, Blatantly untrue. We, we won't read any, every. Review. I mean, yeah, <laughs> not, we're not going to read every five-star review because we expect at some point that the volume of five-star reviews that you guys are sending us is just so massive that we simply can't keep up. So we do appreciate it. We will pick and choose a couple of, of uh, reviews each each episode to go ahead and read. So please do keep sending them. We really, really appreciate it. We also had a great comment on SoundCloud that uh, one of our listeners is going to insist on naming his next, his or her next beer league team the Seattle Crap Weasels. So I appreciated that. <laughs> right on. <laughs> so, so there you go. We have one supporter for Seattle Crap Weasels as the, as the name aside from just myself. Okay, let's get back to it now. Thank you for bearing with us on that break. My next question, and this is kind of a hypothetical, right? But how as a local Seattleite here that obviously is invested in it. Three of us are obviously invested in this thing. Uh, There are many others who are invested, but hockey fans are probably fans of a specific team, right? So John, you're a big Sharks fan, as we've already alluded to. Andy, you're a big Canucks fan. I'm a big Wild fan. How do we deal with this now when the team actually gets here and they're actually playing hockey? Yeah, I think that's something that Many of us in the city are going to have to come to grips with at some point here in two years. Uh, for me personally, you know, I, I my hope, you know, as covering the Thunderbirds as I have, you know, you have to be try to be objective. So I've gotten good at kind of throwing that fandom out and just rooting for a good story. So if, as I, you know, hope that I have some sort of gig where I'm covering the Seattle team, I, I'm pretty good at just rooting for the story and not letting that come come in between it. Now, if if I don't have a job like that and I'm just a fan, that's going to be a little tough. You know, it, it, may, it probably helps if Vancouver's down right now. So it might be easier for me to abandon them. In a couple of years, horrible. though, they might be good again. That's true. That's true. What happens on that uh, that sharp little rivalry, just two and a half, three hour drive between yeah, the two you know, cities? It's, it's going to be a weird thing, like a team that you've rooted for for so long, mm-hmm. you know, and I have hats and t-shirts and stuff, you know, and, and, you know, invested, you know, I remember the, when they, when they beat the Sharks in the Western Conference final in that double overtime game, I remember waking my ex-wife up yelling <laughs> when they scored the goal to win, Yeah, you know, all that, all that stuff I went through to, to, with that team. It's going to be weird, you know, but we're not going to be the only ones. There's fans of every team. That's, that's been one of the things here in Seattle. There's this underground fandom that, but they're all spread out across the league. And all know. rooting for different teams. Yeah. So it's, yeah. It's going to be something everyone's going to have to come to grips with. I can't legitimately say at this point, right? Because, mm-hmm. you know, I've been at this so long, I feel like a fan of the club that doesn't exist here. <laughs> yeah. Clearly, I root for the Sharks. And um, I, I kind of think the heart wants what it wants. And, and I won't know until the first time that they play each other. And I probably really won't know until they, they meet each other in the playoffs, right? And that's where it gets real. Because a regular season, you know, if they both make the playoffs, great. But if they face each other, then I've got a whole nother dilemma. We all do. Yeah. But, you know, I do think a way out of this is if the Sharks were to win a cup in the next two years – and then I can kind of check that box off and then move my fandom back to uh, Seattle. Wow. Mm-hmm. And leave them on the side of the road with their cup, huh? He, wow. wow. I mean, <laughs> that's, like, that's leaving them on top. It's like retiring right after it, you win yeah, the it's cup. Like, it's yeah. like taking your parents to the retirement home, right? right. You're like, yeah, you were so yeah. good to me, but now you need to be in here. Yeah, but you're taking them to the retirement home right after they won the Stanley Cup. Right, yeah. right. On top. So on I, top. I think my plan, I've thought about this a little bit. I'm going to get one of those, you know, like the, the parents that have a son on either team. I'm going to get like one of those jerseys <laughs> that's stitched together with half wild and then half Seattle crap weasels. And then 
on the back, I'll have, you know, James Neal obviously will be on the expansion <laughs> Seattle team. Yes, so I'll have course. him on one side. And then I guess Ryan Suter will still be on the wild at that point I'm for sure. sure yeah. 13 year contract. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, I think that's what, so it'll say like Sue, Sutil on the back. You know, that, that, that's an interesting <laughs> point. Darren brings up an interesting point. We might want to look for that at the new arena. How many of those we see? Cause you can actually go to NHL.com and make one of those. Oh, yeah, you oh, can really? do it. They'll do it for you. I didn't oh, even wow. know that. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah, so you so I didn't it. even have to break out the no, sewing no, machine. No, you can just order it that way. Done so deal. I'm just curious. Maybe every Consider game, it done. Every game, there could be one of those Frankenstein jerseys, depending on who the opponent is. I wonder if they're going to do something like the, the turn in your jer- your old jersey for like Oh, that would be a, a brilliant idea. Yeah, that would be a brilliant yeah. idea. Yeah. So my last thought on this, I, my, my buddy Brandon sent me a tweet today sort of pointing out that Cap Friendly already has a Seattle expansion draft page up. I don't know if you guys are aware of this. No. They do. Uh, and he said <laughs> something along the lines of predicting the moment when Kirill Kaprizov, who is the Wilds blue chip prospect that's been <laughs> caged away in Russia for years and years, when the Seattle team claims his rights somehow in the expansion draft. And I wrote back and I was just like, my head would literally explode. I don't know <laughs> what I would do if this guy that I've been, this young kid that I've been pulling for to come over and play for my team for so long, then somehow gets plucked away from that team and now joins the new team that I just, I don't know what I would do in a situation like that. There's so, there's going to be so many of these things for fans. And lean that's, into it. That's just the lean, wild stuff. Just lean, lean into it. Right that's into right. it. Embrace it. Yeah. It's, it's, a better, it's better to have to figure out what you're going to do than not have to figure out what you're going to do. Not have that's to. a good point. Yeah, just don't make any plans in life <laughs> and then you never get disappointed, right? That's right. The, the heart wants what the heart wants. That's, that's, a, right. A, that's a, right. A wise man recently said. On the topic of expansion, though, there were some interesting comments today about what the rules of expansion will be once they do finally come for the Seattle team. Andy, do you want to talk about that a little bit? what uh, yeah. Gary Bettman said. So we've heard for a while, Bettman, it's not the first time you said that Seattle is going to get the same expansion set up and same expansion rules as Vegas got for their expansion draft. Um, I think we, we can expect other GMs to be a little wiser this time. But he also today uh, said that Vegas would be exempt from that expansion draft. So, so Seattle won't be able to select any players from Vegas. So if you're a Thunderbirds fan hoping that Shea Theodore or someone like Keegan Colesar would be able to come and in, in the expansion draft, that's not going to happen. I suppose they could still trade for guys off the Vegas roster. But, but that also means that Vegas isn't going to get part of the $650 million expansion fee that the Seattle group's going to pay. Uh, my understanding is originally Vegas was going to come in with another team. Remember, Quebec made an application and there was hope Seattle would. So the original plan was for them to not get part of that pie, and so they're sticking to they're sticking to that, um, which makes some sense. But I guess also it's kind of weird since they'll, they'll, by that time it'll have been what a four year franchise. Um, but that was a little interesting tidbit that came out today. Uh, I think I think that that's been consistent with what they've been saying all along that Vegas isn't part of it, and the rules will essentially stay the same. But it's nice to hear it. Kind of like it sounds like it's a little bit more baked. So, so it's that's as what's if Seattle came in. Yeah, last year. <laughs> so good situation there for George McPhee that he doesn't have to get shaken down like uh, he's yeah. being. Are you bitter? Worked over by the mob, similar to how he got to do to every other team in the league. Every other team, or just the Wild? I think the Panthers, Panthers might, every the Panthers other might have a more bigger beef than, than yeah. the Wild. Though. Well, they yeah, also the made Panthers, some poor decisions. Yes, that's though. true. They did some of that to themselves. You're right. Yeah. Getting into some NHL hockey talk, we mentioned last week that a certain team in Southern California, the Anaheim Ducks, 
is starting to get a little bit older. And how long could they rely on such guys as Corey Perry and Ryan Getzlaff to shoulder the load? Apparently, the answer to that is not very long because since we recorded Corey Perry, uh, and this really stinks, I don't mean to laugh about it, but he was ruled out for the next five months with a knee injury. So that's a huge blow to the Ducks. I mean, he is such a gigantic part of their team still. I mean, how do the Ducks survive this and do they? I don't think they do because Ryan Kessler, his his status is still kind of up in the air. Yep. Uh, you know, and so are they just going to rely on Getzlaff? Uh, they have a young player in Sam Steele, uh, who's a high pro- prospect that people here probably saw play in the WHL finals a couple years ago for Regina. They like him a lot, but he's 19 years old, 20 years old, so he's still raw. Yeah, I don't know that you can count on him. Um, yeah, so it's a team. I think we, we did our little impromptu playoff look at the, at the Pacific Division, the Western Conference. That was a team I think we all thought could easily slip out of the playoffs this year. This almost solidifies it unless John so. Gibson, bringing it back to the goalie, unless John <laughs> Gibson can play out of his mind. But He does uh, have a cool mask. Very cool mask. That's true. The Guillet Bear special. <laughs> There's the bingo card. Yeah. Going up. <laughs> <laughs> Other injuries, very notable. Seth Jones out four to six weeks, potential uh, Norris Trophy candidate. So that's a tough blow to Columbus. Mike Green out with uh, illness. We, I guess we don't know how long he'll be out with that, right? Yeah, it sounds something serious, but there hasn't been much reported on it. I think they're probably still diagnosing it, but it's not like a short-term like flu-like symptoms. It's it's a little worse. Corey Schneider with the Devils is officially out for the start of the uh, regular season here. He had a hip injury and had surgery on it over the, over the summer, so he's still recovering. So the Devils are going to roll with Keith King Cade for the the start of the year. I did. I don't know if you guys caught it, but they were playing in Switzerland last night against uh, is HC Burn. Yeah. Right. Yep. Hockey club. Yep. Huh? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, looked like an awesome time. Nico Hishier got to participate in his in his home country, and when they announced his name before the game, there was a huge huge cheer from the crowd. And uh, Taylor Hall finished the game in overtime with a pretty awesome crossover move. They did. It was interesting because they played three on three to play overtime, but it was also Olympic ice. So it oh, was wow. kind of crazy. Yeah. And and so Taylor Hall, of course, you know, reigning heart trophy uh, holder finishes the game with uh, kind of a nasty crossover to, to get the defenseman tangled up and then just rifled it over the, uh, the goalies blocker. So uh, it was actually a pretty fun game to watch. Uh, the, the Swiss team took them all the way to, to overtime. So it was fun. And, and the Devils seemed to have their, their A team in there too. So fun to watch. I enjoyed it. And, just, you know, another indicator that hockey is back. The last injury we wanted to touch on before we moved on was uh, Dustin Brown apparently has a broken finger. That's another guy we talked about last week as being a, a key cog in the in the Los Angeles Kings machine. So he could be out for quite a while, at least a month, it sounds like. Yeah, and another team that's kind of aging, maybe yeah. not as old as Anaheim, but getting up there. Um, and that's another team we identified that could. They're a weird team. They could go either way. They could gel and all come together, although this injury hurts that, uh, or they could really fall apart <laughs> with more and more injuries. Um, but there is one local connection there. The Spokane Chiefs uh, forward, uh, Jared Anderson Dolan, uh, starting the year with them, and, and probably a lot of that has to do with there being a, a Dustin Brown being out and there being a forward spot open. Um, we're interested to see how long he sticks. Is it just the nine games or is it until Dustin Brown comes back and maybe he's there for a month or two? It's going to take a, be a big blow to Spokane Chiefs. Who? So that's kind of the nature of the WHL. You're kind of at the whim of what the NHL club does. Uh, obviously, LA is more worried about their own season than they are what happens to the Spokane Chiefs, but that's that's one for local fans uh, to, to keep an eye on. Did I see Anderson Dolan was already given the opportunity to select a jersey number, by the way? I thought I saw that tweeted today that he got to choose number 28, 
which usually is a good sign. Usually yeah, those that's a good were like sign. Number ninety one or something. Or yeah, they had him, I think, in the fifties, and they yeah. they let him pick number twenty eight. So that to me indicates that they're going to keep him for at least a bit. Uh, also, oh my, how the times have changed, right? Didn't you used to have to prove yourself a bit? you know, in the regular season before you were allowed the opportunity to pick your jersey number? Yeah. It, that was it, my understanding. Sometimes, though, sometimes like high-end prospects, first-round draft picks, although he was a second-round draft pick. But, you know, I, I know when Matthew Barzell's first training camp, he was wearing number 13 as a first-rounder. I mean, that, that, so I think it depends. It's cakewalk these days. That's right. When I was a rookie, I had to carry the veterans' bags. So not true. I was never a rookie in the NHL. <laughs> I think they still make them pick up the pucks after warm-up, though. There you go. Okay. <laughs> what a tough life being a rookie in the NHL. Man. <laughs> All right, so that pretty much covers the uh, the injury talk, though. Definitely some things to keep an eye on there as the as the NHL officially gets underway. There are definitely some teams already that have been bitten with that injury bug, so they're coming in without the full roster. You definitely hate to see that, you know. You want to? I would like it for every team to break camp with a fully healthy roster and just give it a nice uh, level field. Because there's always those questions, right, at the end of the year, like, well, what if? What if so-and-so had stayed healthy and what if so-and-so had started the year healthy? So uh, so you hate to see it, but uh, some significant names definitely being left off of their uh, their rosters to start the year. Also, were some interesting roster moves in terms of prospects. And like we talked about, you always have to take this with a grain of salt because these guys can be called back up anytime as soon as somebody does get hurt or start playing poorly. But Philip Zadina, who was a top pick of the Red Wings, goes down to the AHL. I, I was really shocked to hear that. I was pretty shocked as well. I thought he was he had as good a shot as just about anybody outside the top two guys taken in the last draft to make the club. And you know, it's it's funny you mentioned numbers earlier, and he was wearing a low number most of camp. And so I I was like, oh yeah, he's definitely got a he's definitely got a place um, on the roster. But interesting thing there is he's not a, a CHL player, uh, part of the junior system. So he he was sent to the AHL. So he can be called called up at any moment. So putting a lot of weight in that probably. So he's still pretty young, but but he was a high pick. So usually those guys stick, especially on bad teams like or teams that have been struggling. So it's a little surprising that a, that a team that's rebuilding that's young doesn't feel that he's he's going to get the ice time at that level or can handle the ice time at that level. So it'll be interesting to see how he handles uh, how he handles being in the AHL and if and if he ends up back up with the Red Wings or something. Staying with Detroit, right? Rasmussen's probably not coming back to. Well, I, I shouldn't say probably not. It's a little early, but. He doesn't look like he's coming back to Tri-Cities this year to play in the WHL. At least not to start. So he's going to start the season on the roster. It'll be curious to see. There's, we have had some examples, not to make this about the Minnesota Wild, but Matt Dumba. No, please do. Matt Dumba, when he his first year with Minnesota, he played half the year and then got sent back. To the Red Deer Rebels. To who traded him promptly. He never actually showed up in Red Deer. He got traded to Portland before he came back. It was a, it was a deal that was made. Portland traded for his rights before he got sent back. Then he got sent back. So he didn't finish with Portland. Were but, you impressed by my sort of WHL that knowledge? Was pretty good. That was pretty That was where he played before that. Uh, <laughs> so good good job. He played with them more than he played with Portland. You could see a situation where Rasmussen sticks with Detroit, and then maybe in November, in December, they let him go play in the World Juniors for Team Canada because he has not done that, but he's still of age to do that. And then and this has happened before. Then you see what happens. Like, this is, like Dumbo's a perfect example. They let him go play in the World Juniors, and then he went back to the WHL. So you could see that happen. And if that does happen... Do the Tri-City Americans keep him or do they trade him? Because Tri-City could be down this year, and they sent, they spent a lot of money last year in trade, so they could move Rasmussen to, to a contender for to recoup some of those. So trade. So Rasmussen is going to be a key player, not only to watch how he does in the WHL, but a potential Team Canada uh, stalwart, and then he could he could affect the WHL pennant races. I don't think I'll call them pennant races in hockey, but I'm going to call them that. <laughs> Playoff races. Playoff races, yeah. So 
Another one that I thought was quite interesting, and we've been talking about him quite a bit, former Everett Silvertip Carter Hart, who was playing with the Philadelphia Flyers organization. Some weird wrinkles there in that one because he was definitely seemed to be in line despite being a very young goaltender. In the last couple of days, the Toronto Maple Leafs decided they're going to name Garrett Sparks as their backup goalie. Why this pertains to Carter Hart is because they then waived the other two potential backup goalies that they had in Calvin Pickard and Curtis McElhaney. Both of those goalies were claimed. So McElhaney goes to Carolina and Pickard goes to Philadelphia. What that means is that Hart now goes down to the AHL and he actually is playing behind technically three professional goalies because Neuvert is out injured, comes back at some point, obviously. Brian Elliott is getting back to health and Calvin Pickard now is on the roster. My guess, and you guys can correct me if I'm wrong here, but my guess would be that whenever Neuvert comes back, they put Pickard right back on waivers, which means that Hart regains his number three status in the in the organization. Yeah, most likely. You know, Pickard's an interesting player. He he for whatever reason he was he has never really stuck in one organization. He's bounced yeah. around. You know, he he was up for a good full year. I want to say, but he's a serviceable backup goalie. Yeah, and then you know he he was taken in the expansion draft. I've joked before because that summer before Vegas's first year, he was everywhere on their social media. They had him on a caravan across the western states to drum up support, try to expand their territory. And then they immediately waved him right before the start of the season. There was even a contest to design his mask in Vegas, and then they just said, see ya. Yeah. Uh, and then he got picked up off waivers by Toronto and then spent the whole year in the AHL with the Marlies. So he's never really been able to stick full time as a starter. He's always shown promise, though. He and he never won, as a backup either. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And he won gold medal for Team Canada a couple of years ago in the World Junior or not in the World Championships. Excuse me. Uh, interesting player. He was, you know, obviously he played here in Seattle. He was a great goalie in, in Seattle. He set the WHL record for saves, which really meant that they had a terrible defense because they gave up like forty shots a game that year. I, I, it's, it's a weird one. I don't understand why he hasn't been able to stick. He sure looks. When you watch him play, you'll see brilliant flashes from him. He just can't put it all together. The funny thing about it, and I promise I won't turn this into a Minnesota Wild podcast or a... <laughs> you, say, you say that same thing. I'm not even going to talk about the Minnesota Wild. Hear me out. I'm not going to turn this into a Minnesota Wild podcast or a Toronto Maple Leafs podcast because there's plenty <laughs> of Toronto Maple Leafs content out there. However, I thought it was quite comical to then hear that now all of a sudden the, the Maple Leafs who had so much goalie depth had three, excuse me, two of their three potential backup options just get plucked from their roster. And now all of a sudden the Toronto Marlies don't really have a goalie. (laughs) (laughs) It was also weird to see a team release two goalies and then within hours, both those guys were claimed by their other teams. That That never ever happens, but you have two teams that are in need of goalies. There's another injury we didn't talk about. Scott Darling got hurt. So now they, that's why McElhaney goes to uh, Carolina. So very interesting there and kind of a strange chain of events. But these are the things that happen at the end of uh, of training camps when players are forced to be put on, on waivers, right? They sign, teams sign all these guys over the offseason and to get them off the roster, they have to put them through waivers. So, Well, and what's kind of scary about, for Toronto is if you think about Vegas, I don't know how many didn't they use like five goalies last year? Seven yeah. or eight, I think, felt like. Yeah. You I count mean, it was, Ferguson, the so, junior player. you know, you have one guy go down, yeah. you know, or Sparks or Anderson, and, and they're going to they're gonna be in a world of hurt. I don't know what their depth looks like, but, you know, they're going to probably start claiming goalies that go on waivers too, <laughs> yeah. right? Whether they might get Pickard back <laughs> yeah, when I was say, when Pickard Nerver gets, gets There, is, there <laughs> is talk of that because when I think there's some sort of wrinkle also where if he goes back on waivers, either Toronto has a claim for him first, or I think he doesn't have to pass back through waivers to get to the Marlies. Something like that. So because they've already put him through uh, waivers. Interesting. Yeah. So there is speculation out there that he will actually get put back on waivers as soon as Neuver comes back. 
and then end up right back on the Toronto so Marlies. So we've talked a whole heck of a lot about AHL goalies so far. Yeah, uh-huh. It's well, pretty interesting. There, there was this one is player, my favorite topic. <laughs> there was one non-goaltending player that I'd like to talk about uh, who made a team a prospect. And my favorite player that I saw last year is Juso Valamaki, who's sticking with Calgary. And he played for Tri-City last year. Uh, he was a first-round pick of the Flames. Uh, he's from Finland. He That guy last year, he was hurt for a lot of part of the season, which is why he didn't win like player of the year or defenseman of the year. That guy is amazing to watch. You know, he's all offense. He's aggressive. He'll jump into he'll jump into play at the drop of a hat. Um, so I'm really excited to see him and see how he does with Calgary. Um, I loved watching him play. I got to see him play a lot last year in the second half and then in the playoffs uh, in that series against Everett. And really was one of my favorite players last year in the WHL. Uh, I interviewed him once after a game. Speaks almost impeccable English, which I was impressed with since he's from Finland. He speaks much better English than I speak Finnish. (laughs) (laughs) That can be said of many Americans. (laughs) exactly. And many different languages for myself. So he's a player that I'm going to keep an eye on just because I I really enjoyed watching him play. And uh, I I think he's going to be a really good player eventually for Calgary, whether it's this year or down the road. He's he's got a high-end, high ceiling uh, as an offensive defense. So now he's a guy that if he doesn't stick with the roster, he would have to come back to the WHL. No, he's eligible. He's because he would be his 20-year-old, so he can go to the AHL. Got it. Okay. Uh, one guy who does have to come back, though, is Ty Smith, uh, who yes. we did just find out that he's been yep. sent back by the New Jersey Devils after a pretty strong camp. And uh, you had mentioned recently that uh, you were hearing rumblings he could potentially yeah, stick. Yeah, I, I heard some people talking that he might stick from a guy. There's another guy I know that covers them, uh, the Devils, uh, and he said he had a really, really good camp. He thought he wasn't going to – he predicted he wasn't going to get sent back, but he thinks next year there's a very good chance at a 19, as a 19-year-old defenseman that he could that he could stick. He was so impressive. So uh, that'll be interesting to watch. So he is in Spokane now. So if you're a Devils fan, look at the schedule to see when Spokane comes into Everett or Seattle. <laughs> You'll get a chance to watch Ty Smith and and look for him on the on the power play because he is a blast to watch quarterbacking that power play. He has since since day one. He's been fun to watch uh, doing that. So yeah, I mean, that's another one of those, right? Where if you can't get him on the power play with the New Jersey, Jersey Devils, which they probably wouldn't, then you might as well send him back to the WHL yeah. and let him continue. And, and he's not a very big player either. So you got to wonder if he's not not manning the power player in your top couple of def- your pairings. How, how can he handle that the, uh, the the wear and tear at that level? I want to transition us now into something very important. Uh, did you guys happen to see Austin Matthews' GQ photo shoot? Yes, I, I saw it and, and it, it creeped me out and I thought he looked miserable and I didn't understand it. He did look a little sad, a little <laughs> yes. bit uh, a little bit down. It seemed like most of the photos he was kind of looking down at his feet like he doesn't have a lot of confidence. <laughs> but let me tell you, the suit jacket over the turtleneck look, whoo, that was pretty <laughs> sharp there. What do you guys think about that? I well, might be uh, I might be grabbing uh, that little style guide there from the last Mr. Person Matthews. That should, I'm the last person that should be commenting about fashion. And I'm probably right after you. And so <laughs> I tend to kind of go, well, it's not for me, but that's that's okay. I mean, but, I, it's great that these guys are getting exposure in like yeah. things like GQ. I know that sounds kind of stupid, but you know, we've always had a challenge with hockey not promoting the personalities and the actual players. And I, it's, it's, this is just additive, right? And it should be. I mean, I, I know we're kind of having fun here, but it, it's also great to see them in mainstream magazines, totally, and part of normal pop culture, right? Where you know, maybe we're not don't have GQ subscriptions, but at the same time, like there's a lot of people that do. And so it's great to see that kind of exposure. And especially with young players like that. And, and I know Matthew Barzell did a similar photo shoot. It wasn't for GQ, but it was some other fashion outlet that also kind of creeped me out. But <laughs> it, was very, it was very similar. And he was he was like in the woods looking forlorn. I don't know why they all have to look sad. Yeah. They're, they're young. They're playing so hockey. Serious. In the NHL, so much money. They're, they're rich. <laughs> I yeah. don't know what their problem is. Get over it. 
But I agree with John that hockey for the longest time has not marketed its players very well, very well. But these are young players, young stars that are going to be in the league for a long time. So why not start getting their their names, their faces out there? Yeah, I mean, they're so hockey players are so in many cases funny and have great personalities, and you know the things that go on in a in a dressing room and a and. And on the ice and the things that they're yelling at each other and from bench to bench. I mean, if, if to be a fly on the wall for any of that would just be incredible. And and there still remains this kind of strange thing where it's, you know, oh, what did you think of that? And it's just such a such a straight laced answer every single time that gets so robotic. So uh, it is great to see guys putting themselves out there and doing things just a little bit. Different. I guarantee you in those respective rooms, in the Toronto room with Matthews and in, in Barzell and the Islanders room, that those two are hearing it from their oh, teammates. Yeah. They're getting chirped. If I can tell a really quick Barzell story, when he was in Seattle, they the, the T-Birds did a thing where a fan had bought a, a sweatshirt on their online shop and asked, put a note if Barzell could kiss it. And so <laughs> he didn't do that, but they had a picture of him holding the actual sweatshirt right before they shipped it off. And I asked him about that and he was like oh that was really embarrassing i said are you hearing about that from the boys he's like oh non-stop i was like that's all they talk about <laughs> it's like i've been making i've been made so much fun of for that so doing gq doing fashion shoots I, I know for a fact that both those guys and they can probably take it i know barzell can take it as well as he can give it out um they're probably getting chirped but they probably also love it it's just part of the the, the thing with hockey and camaraderie yeah. of hockey that makes it a team and they're all in there chirping each other i am very curious to see now if the toronto maple leafs do in fact add a turtleneck to their jerseys <laughs> <laughs> Maybe as like an alternate. I don't know. Who was it that wore one for the longest time in, in Montreal? Was it Placanic? Placanic. Yes. Who yeah, had the Placanic. turtleneck? Yeah. Yep. And also Danny Healy, big time, right. big time yeah. turtleneck wear. Heater. Yep. The heater. 50, all 50 and 04. Uh, <laughs> let's get back to a little bit of kind of local hockey news, I guess, right? With players that are have those local ties here in the Pacific Northwest. Riley Sutter signs his entry-level deal. I personally didn't see this one coming. Am I w- Was I stupid for not expecting that? So when, when a team gets drafted a junior player, even if they send them back, they have two years to sign them. Now, if they really like the kid, most first-round draft picks will sign right when they're in camp that first time. Uh, and so you, you do see that with, you know, sometimes up to third, third or fourth-round draft picks. I think he was a fourth-round pick or a third-round pick. That They'll sign, you know, right away. The team really likes him in camp. He, he's off to a good start. Now, so he gets a signing bonus, but his uh, the three years of that entry-level contract don't kick in until he's played nine NHL games. So they're, they're locking him up, which means that in two years he's not eligible to be drafted again. So they're, they're basically locking him up saying, we like you, we like you as a prospect. Um, you know, So when he's 20 years old, then he, he can go to the, their AHL team or if they don't, if they don't want to keep him in the NHL. So you see that it's pretty common. He gets He's got a little money in his pocket now because he gets a signing bonus, uh, but the actual contract doesn't kick in until he's actually in the NHL or, or in the AHL. And that's another one of those things that definitely can't happen to the guys going through the college route, right? Because no. once they get a signing bonus, they can't return to college. So, Correct. Um, an interesting an interesting wrinkle, again, I keep using that word wrinkle today, don't I? Uh, but with the <laughs> WHL as opposed to some of the other routes that the kids can take. And that, that's where that whole amateur pro debate with the NCAA and the WHL get into, which we, we don't want to get into now because that'll that's a that can be like an hour long conversation. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyway, a good a good young player there, a good signing for the Washington Capitals who uh, get one of our own essentially from the Everett Silver Tips. Uh, you also had Shea Theodore signing with the Vegas Golden Knights. This was a whopper. Seven years and more than five million dollars per year. Again, maybe I'm stupid. I didn't see that big of a contract coming to Shea Theodore. I know he's a great young puck moving defenseman uh, with tons of upside still played a big role for Vegas already uh, as a youngster. I was a little bit surprised more by the term, I think, than the dollars. It really feels like Vegas wanted to kind of bet 
that he's going to turn out to as good as they think he is. So right. that in four or five years, that deal looks cheap. Yeah. You know, yeah. It is one of those kind deals. Of banking it is on one that. of those like, deals. Hey, we're going to reward you ahead of time. And so we'll see how that pays off. He, you know, he has a lot of upside. He's, he's a great kid. He's one of my favorite players. Uh, you know, one of the first guys I ever covered, he was on the team his draft year uh, in Seattle. Great kid. Uh, you know, he's, he's fun to watch. He's an end to end skater. He's got a high offensive uh, end to him. Uh, you know, he's, he's always kind of been mediocre in his own end. I think that's where he's going to have to improve the most. But I think they like him on the power play. They like what he can bring offensively. He's a puck mover. So, yeah, I really think they're kind of betting betting low on or betting high on him, whatever the phrase is, but betting on the future with him. Very similar to the contract that they that the Minnesota Wild just signed Matt Dumba to. Moving on to <laughs> – uh, Ethan Bear. So Ethan Bear already had some time with the uh, the Oilers last season. He essentially was sent down to the Bakersfield Condors, but then very quickly recalled. So he does actually start the season uh, with the big club in Edmonton. Yeah, within a couple hours, he was sent down and recalled. <laughs> what a ride. Was, I think that was some salary cap roster maneuvering by the Oilers. They Just had a, a paper on, deal? Yeah, they had a guy go on IR. And so I think they had so he didn't room. physically have to fly to Bakersfield. And then he, no, when I, he I landed, he I found out he you was know, coming back to Edmonton. We mentioned Shea Theater. That happened to him a lot when he was in Anaheim his first couple of years. He was he got called up and sent down like 100 times. And but that's was, at least San Diego. Yeah, but there were times where it was one of these deals where he didn't really go anywhere. He was sent down, but he was still in Anaheim. And then a couple of days later, they called him back up. So, so sometimes there's this, this jockeying they have to do with the salary cap and, uh, and, and people smarter than me have to manage those things for those teams. So, yeah. But, you know, Bear, it's not a lock that he's going to spend the whole year with with Edmonton. He's still very young. He's, he's only 20, 21. Um, and playing defense is tough. And, you know, he's – He's got a lot of skill, but he's still, you know, a little shaky in his own end at times. So he's got to improve that side of him. So if he can do it, I think he stays. Um, the offensive side of him is perfect. He's he's great. He's got he's got one of the best shots I've ever seen. You know, heavy shot. It's accurate. He gets it off quick. Um, but uh, it's good to see him start there because another just another fun kid to talk to. And there's always going to be about 50 bears in the in the in the crowd wherever he plays. His family travels like. They they were in Bakersfield to see him play. I heard stories that they drove to like Tucson when they when Bakersfield was in Tucson and then back to Bakersfield. Then he got called up and they flew to Edmonton. Um, so there's always a big bear contingent. There was in Seattle. It's kind of fun to see. Sounds downright terrifying to have that many bears in the crowd. <laughs> many bears in the crowd. <laughs> the bears are great people. If they're, if, you're, if they're listening out there, the bears are great people. Brzgalov would have a hard time. Ooh, like, oh, that's right. He's like bears. Bear. It's his nightmare yeah. being surrounded by the bear family. But if we're talking about the bear, we should shout out to the Ochapawe uh, Reserve out in Saskatchewan where they're from. That's right. First Nation, right? I learned how to pronounce that a long time ago. That's, say that one more time. <laughs> Ochapawe. Ochapawe. And I hope I'm saying it right. Let's move on to a new segment that we are going to try to work in. I don't know if it's going to be every episode, but at least some episodes. Uh, what we're going to call it is weekly one-timers. Basically, it's kind of quick hit topics. Uh, some things that we've heard around the league that we wanted to kind of touch on. They're going to be a little bit random, but uh, by calling it weekly one-timers, that allows us to uh, just go through them quickly so you guys don't think that we're being random. It's a little trick that we do here in podcasting world. Podcasting tricks. Yes. So first and foremost, we have Carolina wearing Hartford jerseys a couple times this season. My initial reaction was, wait, what if the Dallas Stars wore North Stars jerseys? I wouldn't be that upset, to be honest with you. But also, my home state has a team now, right? Hartford never got another team. So if I'm a Hartford Whalers fan, that's, that's, I mean, granted, this is how many years since they've moved, but there's always that little sting, right? I mean, Seattle knows what it's like with losing the Sonics. Like, what if the Oklahoma City Thunder came out yes. wearing a Sonics jersey? People, People mad. the hate for Oklahoma City <laughs> rages hard here. And because I thought it, at, the, at the same time, I'm like, oh, that's pretty cool. And you then know, you're everybody like, loves the whale jerseys, yeah. bringing them back and like... 
you know, I'm sure Hartford wouldn't be upset. And then I thought about the Oklahoma City, Seattle, and like, I'm like, oh my God, there is no way that would go over. I'm torn on it because it is such a gray sweater that, I mean, the old green and white ones, are, it's a great logo. It's one of the, the best the NHL's ever had. Universally. It's yeah. like everyone just yeah, agrees it's one it, of the it's, best it, logos in jerseys. It feels like a bit of a slap in the face to those, totally. those fans in Hartford who were still kind of pining out there. And I remember the, 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 when the Hurricanes first moved down there, they, they didn't draw very well their first year in Carolina. Not that they're drawing well now, but they didn't draw well their first year. And I remember them having – they were selling travel packages to people in Hartford, like, come see the, the Hurricanes. Oh, man. And that, that, that also I thought was bad. And that, this was you know, a decade ago. But this, uh, this just feels like you got to – I don't know. There seems to be a better way. Like, the, the one thing <laughs> – it's interesting because I've heard that Nordique that – there's a lot of Nordique fans that are fans of Colorado. And I think that might have been because – Colorado had success right away, so it was like seeing their players win. Carolina's won a cup, but not not the the first year. Yeah, no, no, no. Right, no. it wasn't the same team. Like where I don't I don't know if that's still the case, but I've come in contact with a lot of Quebec people, and they and they kind of still root for the Avs, and I think it's just the Sackic Forsberg kind of connection. So it should be interesting. I, I mean, I haven't seen anything directly out of Hartford. When um, they first moved to Colorado, every time that the Colorado played on Hockey Night in Canada on CBC, there would be one or two guys with a Nordique sweater in the building, and they would always show them on TV. My brother had a Nordique uh, sweater, and when he was in San Jose and they were playing, the Sharks were playing the Avs, he wore it, he got on CBC. <laughs> Somewhere we have it, like, like Colorado <laughs> like scored like a goal. Quebecois. Colorado scored a goal in overtime, and my brother back then was a big fan. I have a fan. He's, he switched, a, apparently somehow he switched to now be San Jose because he lives there, but they cut right to him cheering, cut away to the player celebrating, back to my brother cheering in his Nordiques jersey. So <laughs> That's the one person if you're with the not a, If yeah. you're at a Colorado game that's on CBC, get some Nordiques stuff and they'll show you on television. Seems All right. legit. Our next weekly one-timer, and that was probably the slowest progressing one-timer in the history of hockey (laughs) or the history of hockey podcast. But our next weekly one-timer is Ryan Johansson scoring a goal in preseason, an overtime goal to win it, and then just immediately skating off the ice like to the door in the corner. Did you? I don't know if you guys saw this one. It was he like there was no he put his arms up to celebrate and then just made a hard left turn and went straight to the the <laughs> gate in the corner and started like you know how like the little kids will go to get off the ice and they'll start sticking their door their yeah. their stick in the little lever to open it that was what he did. Like he just skated straight it. over and just exited the ice. I, it was fantastic. It's preseason, man. Who cares? About it's it was like a walk off. It was in, like a walk off in, in, in a beer league game <laughs> yeah. this year. I in the summer I was playing like a consolation game at the end of the year for third place in my in my league and and uh, it was in overtime and I took the puck down and I'm like you know kind of like okay I got to end this thing right away because I don't want it to go to a shootout. <laughs> that might have been had something to do with my faith in our goalie, but it wasn't me for the record. <laughs> no, it wasn't you. Uh, but so. I ended up skating, scoring the game winner and just literally skated to the bench and got my got my sticks. <laughs> and I then I thought I'm like that is such an ass <laughs> move, right? Like cuz I'm like, oh, I'm not really that happy. Like I tried to play it cool like I'm yeah. not that happy. Oh, well. This happens all the time, but I'm like, oh man, that's a jerk move to to everybody, to my teammates, to the other team. <laughs> I mean, it was a throwaway game. It was like third place, but it was it was kind of fun, and I just tried to play it cool, and then I, I regretted it after the fact. So I'm wondering if he's got a little regret. Well, do we know if he had dinner plans? You know, I mean, the game went into overtime. overtime. I mean, yeah, your preseason game goes into overtime. It was like, I got to go. Yeah. <laughs> this have, has been great. Have but. you guys ever heard this story? And I think I heard it on maybe on the Spit and Chicklets podcast of Keith Kachuk when he was with the Arizona Coyotes. Basically, the story goes that they had a couple off days coming up, so they, they were – 
planning as a team to go to Vegas. And for whatever reason, because it was just like a side trip, they were flying commercial. And the game went to overtime. And they're all like, oh, no, we're going to miss the flight, right? (laughs) And Keith Kachuk says something along the lines of like, don't worry about this, guys. I got this. Goes out, gets the puck in his own zone, skates it all the way down, scores, (laughs) and just skates right off the ice. And they all (laughs) rushed to the airport and made the flight to Vegas. Uh, I'm pretty sure I heard that straight from from him in his interview on Spit and Chicklets. But reminds me of that, right? It's like, like, oh, at the time, the the overtimes were probably 20 minutes, Yeah, right? right? So it wasn't like a quick five-minute get a skate in and then done. Yeah, it, but it's, you know, it's the, yeah. man, get me that sounds believable. F out of here because yeah. this is our last preseason game and I just want to <laughs> get out of here. I so. heard a similar story about Kyle Beach, who was a high prospect who played with the Silver Tips yep. and, and pre- he didn't want to play in the preseason games. And the WHL, if you get in a fight in the preseason games, you get a game misconduct. So there you go. go out in the first period. That's first the Max Domi got, approach. Drop, drop the gloves, get thrown out, and <laughs> be Max, done. He pulled a Domi. <laughs> yeah, the Max Domi. Exactly. <laughs> Our next quick hit, and this is uh, not quick hit, one-timer. What are we calling one-timer. this? One-timer. One-timer. Our next one-timer. We need a sound effect with like a slap shot. Ooh, good idea. <laughs> John, just do that every time. Here we go. Our next weekly one-timer. <laughs> nice. Is... Just a quick thing that I noticed, uh, and it's kind of been grinding my gears a little bit, which maybe that'll be our, our next weekly uh, <laughs> segment. Grinding segment. My gears. Yeah, grinding my gears. The NHL Network, I don't know if you guys have been watching oh. it much. What is with the commercials? <laughs> it's lame. like, so the basically it's like a rotation <laughs> of four commercials. It's a Medicare arthritis brace infomercial, <laughs> a CPAP machine cleanser, which I'm pretty sure is that the, the machine you use if you have like sleep app? Yes. Okay. Yes. A reverse mortgage, what seems to be like a pyramid scheme thing. And then the last one that they do is uh, catheter sales. Like, are you using the right catheter? <laughs> and uh, who do they think is watching? <laughs> I don't I, know. I don't think I, it matters. It I've depends who pays well. it. It depends who pays pays for the advertising. Is that, are they all the same company that Brett Favre endorses? Well, it could be. <laughs> he's, in, he's in all the commercials. Yeah. You mean Wrangler jeans? Yeah. Well, no. he does. He did one. He like a, he did like a shaving one or something. But yeah, and a neck or a yeah. Tommy Copper. Yes. Yeah, yeah. When he's playing football in the backyard, yes. like yep. he does a lot. I'm sure yeah. uh-huh. with, with random strangers. But doesn't totally. doesn't the NHL Network also have that one that that like shoe caddy? Like if you can't bend over to put your shoe Ooh. on. Yeah. There's like a long stick that will help you can put your shoe on. You can slide your foot right into it. Well, they're sticking with the branding of the rest of their commercials. Yeah. The NHL Network always seems to fail, I, I think. <laughs> they, they, they miss their opportunity to <laughs> well, do some cool things. It's, it's not – well, the commercials, the commercials are paid, right? They're but, just, but they're they're just getting high their def. money. If you notice yeah. the screen gets smaller on your TV because they're not high-def commercials. They don't well, even get high-def Don't blame the network for that. Blame the – well, they're the yeah. ones selling it, though. <laughs> it so, is just odd. I don't know. Am I watching hockey coverage or am I watching The Price is Right? Well, I'm not you, really sure. Do you guys remember the old Versus channel and, and yeah. OLN? But they used to have some crazy ads. But the, the ad that most people will remember is the Farmers Only ad. Oh, yes. yeah. Yeah. Those are back now, by the way. Farmers yeah, but they're only is way yeah. better. They're way better. I remember those like, old ones. Maybe the hockey, like selling on OLN and Versus and eventually NBC, NBC Sports were the catalyst for that company making it big time because now the farmers only commercials are much, much better. Yeah. It, it's well, true. Like, I don't know, and, and I don't they've know, come I don't a long way. Much, much better. Maybe much better. <laughs> too where do you think I met my wife, much. John? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, don't knock it till you try it. Those, are, those are great commercials though. I'm all lonely out here <laughs> in nowhere. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on to – oh, man. Moving on to our next – Weekly one-timer. 
Thank you, John. We had Tom Wilson, uh, despite it being the preseason, basically in midseason form, nearly taking the head off of St. Louis Blue Oscar Sundquist. He does have a hearing tomorrow. So by the time we post this, the, the hearing may have already passed and we'll already have learned that he's suspended for uh, probably like all eternity is my guess. <laughs> but obviously repeat offender. I don't want to be, you know, breaking down the the whole thing or whatever. My only my only thought on this is Sundquist, Sundquist. And I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. Sundquist does very much come across the middle of the ice with his head right in his feet. Uh, I mean, it stinks for Tom Wilson if he didn't mean to knock him out in a way because... But his track record. Track record, right? And and maybe he's not trying to knock him out. He does, in fact, get his arms up. But on the same token, like I was taught and like I knew even as a goalie growing up that you keep your head up when you're skiing through the middle of the ice. And, and if you put it down, you're in trouble. I remember when I was playing, I think I was on like a, a JV hockey team in high school. And one of my one of my teammates passed the puck up to another teammate. Uh, and he was directly in front of him and he hit him right in the back of the skates. And when the puck hit him in the skates, he looked down to try to find the puck. And as he did that, the defenseman on the other team stepped up right at the blue line. And it was one of those where he he put his he put his shoulder kind of right into the kid's head and his feet like flipped up in the air and he landed flat on his back and he was fortunately okay. Like he didn't get hurt. But I remember the group of us sitting around and watching the replay of that <laughs> in slow motion, literally a hundred times in a row. And we were just <laughs> dying laughing. And it was like, man, you, you just, you got to keep your head up. I mean, you just, you know that right as a hockey player. So I don't know. I, I, I know that the, the onus is very much on Tom Wilson to play a safe game and he's always kind of on that edge, but well, it's interesting. Man, you gotta keep your head up. It's interesting you mentioned watching the replay because I think what happens. I didn't see that so much with this hit. I think this hit was universally, you know, panned that people didn't like it. But who was it? He hit well, the, it's who the player it? too, yeah. right? Well, who was it that he hit in the finals? That Marceau that he hit in, in Vegas? That that was kind of a borderline hit. So what happens then is there's this online debate on Twitter and elsewhere. You have people usually like in this case, Capitals fans saying, oh, no, that was a clean hit, shoulder, shoulder. And then you have the rest of the world saying, no, it was a dirty hit. And I always wonder, like, what did we do before there was Twitter? How do we argue about bad hits? Like, were, there, <laughs> were there bad hits? Or, or just, yeah. we just don't remember there, bad hits before? The, before big, there was the bad hit only became a thing at the dawning <laughs> exactly. of Twitter. Yeah. When you can see GIFs and they can, from every angle and slow mo right. down. Or, or, or I love the one where, like, here's a snapshot. Uh, you can clearly see that he's off his feet. Like, well, it's a snapshot. You don't know yeah, if that's like after. Yeah, like a blurry image, like, yeah. paused on a VCR <laughs> yeah. and yeah. then a picture you, taken. That you get the next day when you are reading the newspaper. <laughs> yeah. But people are outraged by him now. And there's people who are calling for, like, lengthy suspensions or that he should be thrown out of the game. I don't yeah. know that. I mean, this, like, I remember Rafi Torres was suspended 41 games for hitting Jacob Silverberg of the Ducks. I think that's a long. I think that might still be the longest suspension. But he also had a. I think he got suspended much like longer track record I'd for say hitting Hosa. I mean, yeah. he, he, he and was, I think he his were, were a little bit like leaving his feet, uh, stick up high, elbow up high. He was like big on the elbows. I think Wilson's hits tend to be dirty, but like <laughs> yeah. feet on the ground yeah. and and kind of like. And he's a bigger player. He's a bigger player, and that's. It, it's such a struggle because it it games so fast, but there's also a point where do you have to like check through the guy or can you just and I know you don't want to put yourself in a vulnerable spot where the guy hits you and you kind of take it, but it just sometimes it it seems like you don't need to go through the guy, and and that's you know this is me. I've never played check check hockey, so I'm not like a great expert. But the game is changing a little bit, and you know the these are, are bigger, these faster. are their union members, right? Like they're all 
part of the same team in a way, right? That they're all players. They all want to play as long as they can. And, um, and I, I know that he deserves to be banned from hockey or from the NHL for no, for not for hits. not for that hit. Definitely not. It's hard. I don't have his track record in front of me, other than like off memory. And well, he's got I some mean, high profile. Like last year in the playoffs, there yeah. were a couple. But again, they weren't. This this one felt a little bit more. Even though he did have his head, Sunquist did have his head down. It did feel a little bit more clean cut than some of those ones in the playoffs. Where I could see where you could make the argument. I'm not trying to defend Tom Wilson by any chance of the imagination, but I, I see where some people, somebody could make the argument that like that one, and I believe it was Marcel. So I, I could be wrong. That that or one. Perron. Or they could have been Perron. Perron. He didn't get suspended or anything, but it was a controversial play. Um, I could see where somebody could argue both ways in that. And that's the problem is it's sometimes so hard, even with all the replays we have, to tell, well, what was his intent? You don't know what the guy's intent was. I mean, I doubt he's trying to hurt well, somebody. And you're he's probably trying to make a big second. hit and separate the guy from it's the puck. split-second intent, right? Like, yeah. I don't know. Like so one it, second, he's got yeah, one second yeah. to have intent. But so it, it feels happens, like we're yeah. defending Tom Wilson. We're not doing that. I think we're just talking about how hard it is to to judge these things sometimes because you can look at it from a different different angles. Like you just brought up with Sunquist had his head down. You know, is that I'm, well? Is I, that his fault? I, or I'm willing it? to bet you that, and I don't know Tom Wilson, but I'm willing to bet you Tom Wilson's reaction in the moment was, "Oh no, it just happened again." Yeah, I would. You I would know, guess so. I, well, one thing we can agree on is no matter what the NHL decides, everybody's going to agree to it and and think it's the the right thing because nobody's going to argue about it in Twitter for the next no know, but people no, will argue. Yeah. People everyone will... keeps a very level head and <laughs> yeah. well, even us they, even us I started this by saying we're not going to break down the hit and we just literally spent five minutes breaking yeah. down the hit so. and, and I, I really don't want to come across like we're defending him even though it sounded like we were but my, my bigger point is just that sometimes these hits are so hard to judge because you said they do happen so quick and when you slow them down it looks different than it does live and it's just a mess I don't know what the answer is maybe they need to put the stop signs on the back of the jersey oh yeah like do with the kids. Stop. There you go. Yeah. We're on the front. <laughs> We're Brilliant. on the front side. So that wraps up our weekly one-timers. Whoopsh. Thank you. That was a good time. We'll probably try to do that little that little segment again here in the future. Uh, but kind of taking a, a look at what we have coming down the, the pike here with NHL to Seattle. And by the way, I don't know if I ever mentioned that our podcast is uh, brought to you by NHL to Seattle.com if you didn't know that. But on the site, uh, all three of us are contributors there. And obviously, John is the founder and he's a, a one of the best hockey writers in Seattle, and uh, and I do some mindless dribbles there as well. But uh, so we have some fun things coming this week. Uh, you know, there's obviously some huge hockey news happening for the city of Seattle, so uh, there's going to be some content on that. We have an around the horn conversation coming up with uh, who are the most watchable teams in the NHL. I'll give you a little spoiler that my most watchable team is also my sleeper team that I spoke about last week in terms of Buffalo Sabers. So uh, it's a it's a fun chat. I also had a, a story that should be posting here in the next couple of days about where we think the NHL Seattle local owners should go on a sort of a dream hockey trip to make sure that they fall in love with the with the sport. My selections, I'll go ahead and spoil it for you. Uh, my selections were just for the atmosphere. I had Vegas and Nashville. And then for the hockey, I had Minnesota and Vancouver. Now, I know that Vancouver is kind of a stretch. Their team's not that good. It's a little quieter, but it's also a really, really fun hockey trip. Very close drive. It's a great city. Uh, and I've I've done it a few times and I've just had such an awesome time every time that I've done it. So that was why I, I included that. What do you guys think? I, I'm guessing you would agree that Vegas and Nashville are pretty good stops. Yeah, I would add Winnipeg to that. I think Winnipeg has done a good job of that. That's a very loud crowd. And, and especially for a Canadian crowd, they're a little more subdued in some cases than, than American crowds are. Usually, yeah. Yeah, yeah Winnipeg's kind of the exception. Montreal gets watch. a little crazy a little bit. Yeah. 
I also think they should go to Vancouver, but for different reasons than you go. I think they should go to Vancouver to learn how not to suck the the in the wind out of an arena. Oh, whoa! From a Canucks fan, <laughs> yeah, taking shots. I there, shots. I went to a game last year. I was sat in the press box, which, by the way, is like a thousand feet in the air, and I'm not a big fan of heights, so that took some getting used to. But that place is a mausoleum. Now, granted, that team was way out of a playoff spot and didn't have anything going for it, and it was before the Sedins had announced their retirement, so there really wasn't any energy in the building. And I thought, man, this place used to be loud. It used to be a fun place to go and i don't know what happened if it's just the years of being bad but they should go there and learn what not to do but you're right though that is a great building and it is a great city and the fans there are knowledgeable they're sometimes hard on their team <laughs> um the bad place to be a goalie as roberto luongo can attest to because the fans will will you know second guess you but uh yeah i, I just it's surprising me how the atmosphere there has deteriorated so i I think, well, I've been to 18 different rinks, I believe, um, in the league, been to all the ones you mentioned. I would say Nashville would be number one on my list because I think the club basically made that team Nashville, right? Not made it a really great NHL experience. They did that by by keeping core to the city. It's very unique. They have bands play during intermission. It's awesome. And they, they have some crazy chants and, and it is, it feels awesome. The atmosphere is great outside. There's an awesome patio. It's right off uh, Broadway, which is kind of like a Nashville strip. I've been to Vegas too. And, and I really enjoy that. And I just think Vegas is like, it's got almost too many distractions. Oh. It's a great game. You're in Vegas and it kind of takes away from the game where the, the game is kind of secondary. It's a great, it's a great atmosphere. I don't want to take anything away. But I like the X, XL Energy in, in, in St. Paul. That is a great spot to check out a game, like from a complete arena. The other the other areas I, or other teams I'd put on the list is probably uh, Boston. I think Boston has probably the best in-bowl experience as far as like viewing. Passionate fans, always packed, great atmosphere, um, pretty rowdy. It's in a dense part of town. Philadelphia is another outstanding place to check out a game. I was pleasantly surprised there. And the town's, I don't know if it's underrated or overrated, but it feels underrated. Like when I went there, I had a great time. It's interesting that Nashville, as uh, I agree, they are. I mean, it's like a college football game or a basketball game in there with a chance. But I don't remember it always being that way. It feels like that's evolved. When they first joined the league, it didn't feel like that was still quite the same atmosphere. Now, it may just been they weren't good, and so they weren't getting as much national exposure. But I remember watching games on TV there. It didn't feel like it was what it is now. I think they had some ownership changes. Yeah, and they did. And they I almost think moved was... at one point. Right. And I think that's probably what kind of shook the core a bit and made him really kind of go, okay, if we're going to do this, we got to do it right and and really put some some thought into it and make it Nashville. And granted, winning helps. But they, they you know, they've had a pretty good uh, run in the playoffs. Like they didn't have a lot of, a lot of playoff experience, but they they've went to a lot of playoff games, even in the lean days. What um, I think those two teams, Vegas and Nashville, what they've done so well that has, and obviously Vegas got out to a ridiculous start, right? Which is a pretty good way to launch your franchise. But what they've done so well is really integrate the community and the culture of the community into the whole marketing and the whole message of the team, right? So with Nashville, you had the, you know, the from the guitar strings on their numbers to the country music constantly. They have, uh, I like it, I love it. I want some more of it as their goal song. I mean, it's, it's constant throughout, right? And that is known as a country music city. Country music is not something that you normally associate with hockey, but that's something that the city 
associates itself with, right? So they didn't they didn't fight that anymore. They said, you know what, we're going to embrace this. They started every time they, you know, they have the the playoff games. They have bigger and bigger country stars coming out to sing the national anthem. Uh, I mean, it's just it's such a cool thing that they've done there. And same with Vegas, right? They're they're saying, hey, we're in Vegas, so we're going to put on these ridiculous shows at the beginning. We're going to embrace it. We're going to have constant entertainment. People are here to drink and party and gamble and have fun. And we're just going to be an extension of that. We're not going to fight that. We're going to embrace that. And, and bringing it to the local connection, we've heard Todd Lewicki say things about they want the atmosphere here to be one that is reflective of Seattle. Right. He talks about music and the involving KEXP and things like that. So I think we're going to see something similar. It'll be different than Vegas, but similar in a way like what you just said, somehow is going well, that, to reflect the Pacific Northwest. And that's what I think is great about Nashville and Vegas for that matter is, is they put their own stamp on it. I mean, seeing games in Canada are amazing, but when you're kind of introducing hockey to people, don't like, go to Vancouver. Don't well, don't go to Canada because <laughs> yeah. that's different. We're never going to create a Canadian atmosphere here. Like it's 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 great to check it out, and I've seen a game in Montreal as well. Outstanding, but Nashville and Vegas are like unique, and and it's it's kind of a new way to look at the game and experience the game. And, and in a and, non-traditional market. Too. Yeah, and, and a, talk about an experience, do. right? It's the experience once you get on the campus, if you will, and not, not necessarily just watching the game. Because I saw a game in St. Louis and very sterile, very sterile. And it, I mean, it was granted it was an April game. They had already clinched the playoffs. And I'm like, this is not a fun environment. I've, I've had Canadian-born players routinely and consistently tell me that there's a difference in U.S. crowds and Canadian crowds at the junior level, but I think it also, you see it in the, at the major league or the NHL level too, and, and it's that they say that the U.S. crowds are generally more rowdy and that U.S. fans feel like they can influence the outcome, so they'll cheer before things happen to try to fire up the crowd. The same thing you might see like at a Seahawks on defense, whereas Canadian fans cheer to reward something that's happened because it's their game that's more ingrained in their culture, so they are looking at deep, more detail. So they're going to re- they're going to reward a good play by cheering, whereas U.S. crowds get a little more rowdy and just they're there because they're excited and they want to make noise and they know that that's going to help the team. And, and you do kind of see that going if you go to games, especially at lower levels between the two. You see that difference. So today is Tuesday when we're recording this. Uh, have we even mentioned the fact that for us tomorrow is opening night? I don't think we have. No, but, <laughs> but that's a good segue for- Yeah. Uh, we should probably mention it. Also, what games do we uh, are we keeping our eye on this week? John, I, I know that you have a few circled this week for sure. Well, there's a couple, a couple teams I really want to watch. One is Toronto. So opening night, Toronto-Montreal should be a pretty good- so Montreal's not very good, but- yeah, Montreal's <laughs> probably not very good, but we'll see how how they do. Um, I'm kind of excited to see how both Arizona and Dallas are playing. So they play Thursday night, uh, the fourth. So if you have the package, uh, I think you know go definitely check out that game. I'd like to see how Calgary's going to do this year, um, and and maybe check out the new prospects about Vancouver. I think Calgary's like a, kind of a wild card if if they're going to make the playoffs or not. They're going to be playing in uh, on CBC on Saturday night. I'm actually going to heading to New York on Saturday and I'm going to check out the Islanders versus San Jose Sharks on, on Monday. So it's Oh, they have to be playing exciting. the Sharks. Yeah. Wow. Coincidentally. Fantastic. <laughs> what a what a fortunate bounce for you. Yeah, it's like <laughs> it's almost like I planned my vacation to New York around yeah. this game. Yeah. yeah. Well, I did have Boston Washington circled on my calendar, but now that I know uh Tom Wilson's probably not going to be playing in that game, I don't think I'm going to watch. <laughs> um but they, I mean, they are going to be raising the uh, the banner there. So obviously something to, to look at. We saw their championship rings getting tweeted this week. So pretty decent 
little piece of hardware there, and uh, obviously a huge moment for for any team to be able to raise a banner in their in their arena. So yeah, I, I had a couple. Uh, the first one that jumped off to me was Thursday, the the Capitals and the Penguins play, and at first I thought, oh, Ovi and Sid, but I'm kind of over that. I don't know about yeah. you guys. That that feels played out to me. I'm I'm kind of bored with that, so I'm, I'm going to avoid that game. Oh, because that's also not even watching. It also, feel, it also feels like NBC crams that matchup down our throats all, yeah. every other weekend. So so forget that one. But I do. I I like all the uh, the California games. Sharks Kings is always fun. They play on Friday, um, and then a, kind of a wild card game here: Florida at Tampa on on Sunday. Another little crosstown rivalry there. Yeah, and I think I think we think, <laughs> we know Tampa's good, but I think we I think Florida could be good. Yeah, and so that could be an interesting game to kind of watch. It's you don't normally think of a of a big you know Florida rivalry <laughs> as being a much watched game, but it's Sunday. You know, it's a Sunday evening. You might watch, might catch that some of that game, and then locally here. Uh, Seattle's in Everett. That's where I'll be on Friday. Um, that has, has been a rivalry that heated up over the last couple of years. So that's always a fun time. You know, the, the bragging rights for the for the Puget Sound area. Um, I think it's I believe it's a seven thirty five at the Angel of the Wind Arena. There yeah. you go. This wraps up. It's been it's been a huge day. I'm exhausted. I don't know about you guys. I've been watching John's face a lot tonight, and he's like a happy little giddy kid <laughs> in a candy store talking about he's got NHL actual ha- hockey coming in the next couple of days, and uh, his his team is coming to Seattle, and oh my goodness, what a day it's been, and what a, what a week it's going to be here in the hockey world. So I, for one, am very tired. I'm going to go to bed now, uh, but thank you very much all for tuning in to episode four of Sound of Hockey. We very much appreciate having you. We hope that you will subscribe on iTunes, on SoundCloud, on uh, Spotify, whatever your preferred mode of listening is. And please do continue giving us those reviews. It makes us feel really, really good, and and, uh, it helps us grow as well. And we will uh, hopefully talk to you guys very soon. 